Welcome back to Life at Hobridge School, the podcast where we speak to pupils, to staff and to parents to find out what it's really like. In every episode, we'll be talking to members of the school community to hear real stories of life in the school. So let's get into this episode looking at life at Hobridge School. Well, good morning. I am very pleased to be joined by Robin Parr this morning. So, Robin, you were headmaster of Hobridge when the school opened back in 1986. So there are probably not many people within the school community today that know how it all started. So it'd be lovely to hear a little of the history of how the school came to be. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I was um, headmaster of Allen House School, which was a, a prep school on Hookheath Road in Woking. This was about 40 years ago. And the school was purpose-built as a prep school in 1912. And it was owned by a family called the Archibalds. And uh, about 40 years ago, they realised that the school needed upgrading and it was probably better to move to a different site as the site on Hookheath was extremely valuable. So we started looking at possible places to move the school to uh, within a two-mile radius. And I think we eventually whittled it down to the best possible option was to merge the school with uh, another prep school, St Michael's, which was, sorry, on the Hoe Bridge site now. So we got into conference with Peter Tame, who was the headmaster and owner of St Michael's, and we made plans to build a completely new weekly boarding school on the site. And the school was going to be built where the pre-prep is currently at Hobridge. So we exchanged teachers over a period of a couple of years. I used to go down and teach at St Michael's and Peter Tame used to come up and teach maths at Allen House. And the art teacher came up to Allen House and taught so that the you know, pupils and parents in both schools got used to the idea. And about four or five months before we were due to start the merger in 1986, the Archibald family suddenly announced that the plans couldn't go ahead for many reasons for tax reasons etc and so the closure of Allen House was announced and it was then that a group of parents at Allen House formed a rescue committee and they didn't accept that the school had to close they started negotiations with Peter Tame and worked out how they could buy out St Michael's that he and I would act as joint headmasters of a new school. Uh, We had nine months to get this idea started because the old school idea, i.e. building a completely new school on the pre-prep site, was shelved. And that was going to be financed by the um, Archibald family. But the rescue committee got a a big bank loan organised. They commissioned an architect who was a parent of the school They had lawyers, they had accountants, and this amazing uh, committee, which met virtually every day for, I don't know, for nine months, which is the time we had before the school opened, you know, organised everything. And what do you think it was that the parents, like Robin, 
what was it driving them, do you think? Because obviously, you know, that's an amazing support network to have all of these different people supporting you to make a new school happen. What do you think was the driving factor for them? Well, I think always with parents, it's it, it's the happiness and, and well-being of their children, isn't it? And I think if their children mm-hmm. were happy and they liked what we were doing, either at St. Michael's or Allen House, and maybe they didn't want the alternatives. I mean, that isn't to say that a lot of children at this point, when I say children, I mean boys, because these were both boys' schools at that time. They, you know, there were alternatives and and, and the boys left. But um, I don't know. It was, uh, yes, I think it was a belief in the, the teaching that was going on at Allen House and at St. Michael's. So that must have been it, really. And just going back a little bit then, so obviously you'd been teaching for quite a long time before you had come to Allen House. And what drew you into teaching in the first place? Well, I went to Allen House when I was 21 as a student teacher and stayed there for two years. And uh, before that, I'd been doing accountancy in the city. And uh, I loved it so much that I asked the Archibalds if there was a possibility of a job after I got my degree and uh, they said, yes, come back. And so I got a job teaching history. And then f- fortuitously, I don't know what was going on at the top. I-, I managed, I was offered the headship about four or five years later. So wow. I became head quite early on. And it was a uh, a great experience, a very exciting time for me. And I hope for the school. I became head in 83. And we started very soon afterwards looking for a new site for the school. So just thinking about it, so obviously here we are, you've got these two schools, you've got parents supporting you, merging and the things. So where did the name Hobridge come from? Because you've got sort of, you know, two different names. Yes. How did you settle on this one? Well, we had many meetings about it and all sorts of ideas came up, you know, things like Phoenix, you know, schools rising from the ashes because, of course, Allen House House had actually burnt down two years before all this and and had been rebuilt. But it was was actually the head of maths who who came up with the idea. He said, why, you know, why not call it Hobridge School? It's near Hobridge. Everyone knows the area and it's simple. It wasn't uh, going to be a problem for either of the two schools, you know, because there, there, was a, there was a fair bit of worry about Allen House taking precedence over St. Michael's or vice versa. We had to keep finding the common ground which would please all parents, all staff, all pupils. So Hobridge was the answer. Oh, well, I think, and that is a challenge, as you say, is that, you know, when you're bringing two communities together to bring harmony, there are a lot of things that you have to do. So thinking about those first few years at Hobridge, what was it like when you stood in that new school um, building and you stood there and thought, wow, this is, we're starting a new school. What were your first priorities, Robin? Well, to start with, we, we had to choose everything from, you know, the name, the motto, the timetable, the, you know, the staffing, what we were going to use the different classrooms for, because everything changed. Allen House was a weekly boarding school, and St. Michael's was a day school, and one of them worked six days a week, and one of them worked five days a week. So all of this had to be changed. And it was, you know, it, it was a bit stressful, but it was quite creative and exciting. And, and one of the main challenges was really making sure that the school was viable because a number of pupils from both schools had left believing that 
uh, th- th- this challenge of setting up a new school in nine months would not succeed. But when we opened the school and the pupils started in September 87, we just had enough pupils to make the school viable. We started building the pre-prep in 1986 on the present site, but the prep school had to move to an empty uh, school, the Queen Elizabeth II uh, Grammar School, which was only about a quarter of a mile down the road uh, on the old Woking West Byfleet Road. And so we, as the prep school, moved there in September 87. And uh, so at the merge site, as I'll call it, at the QE2 site where we were, it was ideal. Uh, We were on common ground for the new school. All the pupils merged together, the staff merged together, And I suppose we found an identity for the school, while at the site the school's on now, the new build started for the prep department. Well, that's very exciting. So the school's obviously probably changed an enormous amount, hasn't it, since 1986? I mean, you're talking about building the prep school, all of these different things that happened. Where was the last time you went around the school? What was it like? Right, the last time Rowena, my wife and I, we went to Hoe Bridge, was, I think it was just before the pandemic, that's right, in um, October 2019, because we were invited to the opening of the um, the Performing Arts Centre when uh, Dermot O'Leary came and officially opened ah. opened the new site. We, we, we obviously we've been back from time to time, but it's always hugely impressive to go around the school. You drive down into the school, you've got these beautiful trees and shrubs that have all been planted. It was always impressive. I mean, right from the beginning, I remember talking to a little boy as we, you know, in the first few days we moved into Hoe Place and asking an eight-year-old, he was, I think his name was Nicholas Harper, and I said, uh, what do you think of it? He said, sir, it's like, it's like, it's like living in a palace. And it is. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> well, you've got all these painted ceilings and, and, and the beautiful staircase in the main, um, main old building. And Allen House, of course, was purpose-built and, and pretty small and pokey. So, so it was like that. And it's just, it's grown like that. Every, you know, every, I think the governors at Hoe Bridge throughout the years have always been ambitious. They've been prudent, but they've, there's hardly been three years where there hasn't been a, a building project. And coming back... In, in Well, going back in 2019, it was extremely uh, impressive to see what they've done with the Performing Arts Centre. It was a, a part of the school that was a bit probably the Cinderella part of the school because it was outside the dining hall and there was a small gap and the, then there was a, a porter cabin, a couple of classrooms. And they've built this amazing extension onto the uh, dining room and just, you know, adds to the... I think it's a magnificent site anyway, and I'm sure any visitor to the place would feel the same, actually. Well, it it sounds incredible. And actually, I also heard that your study when you were a headmaster there was quite (laughs) spectacular. You mentioned the inside of the building and you talked about the painting. What was it like? Paint us a picture. Well, I think all yes, all the pupils and past pupils and their parents will remember the study. It's a it's a beautiful room. It's double height because there's a domed ceiling which is painted 
I think it was supposed to be historically Lady Castlemaine's bedroom. She was a mistress of Charles II. So there's this fabulous mural on the ceiling. It's panelled, so you've got two panel doors, which, uh, you know, they look like secret doors. Oh. That's all well known to, to, to pupils, but there were a couple of little things I remember about. It was when... When we had the study repainted at one point, there's a pelmet that runs round the, the, the ceiling before you get to the, the mural. And the Mike, who was the painter, was up a ladder there, and he found all round the pelmet, it was full of condensed milk tins, and or empty ones. <laughs> and it, wow! And it, I think it turned out that during the war... That it had been a dormitory, and when the boys had finished whatever they were sucking from these tins, they just chucked them into the air and over onto the, the pelmet where they were hidden from view. Oh my goodness! So, what did you do with all of them? Well, I think we actually said, "Oh, I probably ought to put them in a in the school museum," but no, I think they <laughs> they were dumped. I love it. It's sort of it's that interesting that history, isn't it, of of how schools and different rooms get repurposed and the things that you find. Indeed. Were there any rumours as well about where some of the doors ever went to? No, not really. One of the doors <laughs> just goes into the corridor outside. But no, no it, it, it is the, the most impressive room in the. Um, in the building and it's a beautiful building overall anyway yes so what have you been up to then robin since you've retired because obviously you know there was a huge amount that you did when you were at the school and you navigated lots of changes but what have you been doing with your time since then well we live down in um the y valley and uh it's, it's, it's a beautiful area we can walk from our house along the river to simmons yacht which i you know is a, a well-known landmark well, I garden, and we both garden. We're very involved with our village, so I'm a community driver, and Rowena is a trustee of one of the local parks in front of our house. What else do I do? I do art, and we've got a vintage car, so we drive far and wide in that. It's a lovely part of the world, so uh, honestly, we seem to fill our lives. We're always busy. Must be difficult, like adjusting to a very busy life because, you know, schools are always frantic, aren't they? Yes. Um, someone tells me that you also used to make a lot of ice cream. Is that true? <laughs> well, initially, because we live next to the river and there are people canoeing and holiday makers and it's great fun. I did look into, I thought, oh, well, I'll go and uh, sell ice cream on the on the park side. But um, that you know, was a pipe dream. It didn't come to anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, shall I ask you, what did you learn from that experience? <laughs> oh, well, I certainly didn't make any millions from it, I can tell you that. No, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No new Jude's ice cream appearing from the Wine no, Valley? No, no, no. <laughs> well, oh, well, it's wonderful to hear that you're, you're, you know, the richness of what you're up to now as well. So as you probably know, the school has recently extended its provision up to GCSE. How do you feel about this? Or, uh, what do you think it will do for that area in Woking? Oh, yes, I have heard of that. Well, it must be really exciting, but, you know, a challenge. It's a bit like, I suppose, merging the schools in the first place or, um, or going co-ed, which we did. And I can imagine all the staff are... Uh, involved and certainly Chris Webster must be extremely busy with the governors and everyone else at the moment but it's bound to benefit school and I would have thought benefit the area because uh, as far as I know it's probably the first independent school of its type 
you know, going down that avenue in that locality. So another, you know, another opportunity for parents in Woking, which is, uh, you know, a, a very good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity, yes. particularly for such a wonderful school. So uh, before we go, Robin, if you had to choose your favourite memory from all your <laughs> years at Hobridge, what would it be? Oh, I don't know. I really love my job. So, I mean, I had too many favourites to... I, I think, uh, if I can say... Well, I think when, uh, probably when we started, uh, parents said they wanted their daughters to come to the school. Right, and okay. so we went co-ed. And I think we almost doubled the size of the school at the same point. And suddenly we had a waiting list. And that was a, a source of great happiness because you realise that people really liked the place. You weren't sure because we were on a knife edge for the first couple of years. And leading on from that, we always had pupils, boys and girls, whose fathers had been at either Allen House or St Michael's. And, that, that you know, I, I think that when you've got the children of past pupils, it shows a great commitment and, you know, mm. joy of the, in, in the school that their, their fathers went to. And just before I retired, I think in 2009, actually, I was walking around the school and, and bumped into Linda Renfrew, who was headmistress of the pre-prep at the time, showing round some parents. And she introduced me to Ashley Weston and his wife. And Ashley was a pupil at Hobridge when it opened. And, wow. and I just thought, well, that was sort of history you know, things coming round again. And, and, and it was the first Hobridge pupil to send his child to Hobridge. So that was a that was a very happy moment as well. So there's just two among many, many happy memories. Well, they're really lovely vignettes. And I think they, for me, listening to you talk, Robin, they capture that sense of the family feel and the community and how people, you know, really feel connected to Hobridge as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a total honour to speak to you and to hear about, you know, all that you went through to start Hobridge in the first place and just sort of the history of the school. Oh, well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, well, thank you indeed. And best wishes to the school as always. And to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now. That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, hopebridgeschool.co.uk. Now, the next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.